Well, thank you very much. I'm not used to applause before the message. <laughs> it was sort of scattered, but I'll take what I can get, all right? In 1936 was one of the longest studies in the history of our country. It was done on a group of freshmen who entered Harvard University. Among them was John F. Kennedy. And they have studied these freshmen all the way into today. Very few of them are still alive. And what they were trying to look at is their life, and they trace them through all the ups and downs of life, divorce, depression, you name it. And what they were trying to find out is, is, is what made for happy people. And over this long study, here's their conclusion. Health relationships with family and friends are the single most important variable that contributes to happiness. Isn't it cool when the secular world agrees with God? Uh, don't you think that that's very nice? Don't you think God appreciates that? But finally, after all those thousands of years, we come around and go, you know, God, you were right in the first place. And we began this study last Sunday. Let's review just a couple things we studied. Happiness is more about a what, a who, than a what. It's not about what you have. It's about who's around you and who surrounds you and, and the relationship you have. And happy people are people that are at peace with God, others, and themselves. That's what God said a long time ago. And today I want to look at a passage where, where God talks about happiness maybe more than any other passage in the Bible. In fact, it's, it's the, the surprising path to happiness. Now, before we get in the passage, there's a key word there. And here's the Greek word, makarios. And, and, and the Greek word makarios simply means happiness from being favored by God. Now, in, in your Bible, most of our older Bibles especially translate this word blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit. But, but really, uh, just as good a translation, if not better, is the word happiness. And when we begin to look at Scripture through that way, it begins to change quite a few different words from God. Like in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 11, the Apostle Paul is talking about the good news he's been given to share. He says, now if, if you change the word blessed to happy, which really most scholars think it's more about happiness, you see... God is the source. He blesses you, but the result is that you're happy. So if you translated this sentence a little differently, it'd say, the good news of the glory of the happy God of which I've been entrusted. Don't you love that? How often do we think of God as being a happy God? And here's the good news I'm trying to share with you in this series, is that God literally wants you to be happy. I grew up a long time ago thinking that maybe God really didn't care about my happiness or not. I've even preached sermons where he said, God wants you to be blessed, but he doesn't necessarily want you to be happy. Blessed sounds so much more spiritual, but the truth is happiness is more accurate. And so isn't it good news, my brothers and sisters, that God desires you to live a happy life? Can I get an amen there? That's a great news. So let's dive into this passage where Jesus uses that word, makarios, blessed, happy, over and over, and let's walk through this path. Here, here's what I want you to understand as you read what we commonly call the Beatitudes. They are more than simply disjointed statements that sound cool and would look nice on a plaque, okay? They're actually the progression of your relationship with God, honestly, your relationship with others, they are the path to peace and happiness. And here's how they start, verse 3. 
Happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, that's sort of unusual. Who's really happy? The people who are poor in spirit. What does that mean? It's people who recognize their own spiritual bankruptcy. They realize without God, they just don't have it. They've tried many paths and they've all been dead in. And now they finally come to the point where, you know what, Lord? You know what? All I can do is look to you. I am poor in spirit. It just is, life's not working. I've tried too many things. It's not working. And then we go to the next step, which is happier those who mourn, for they will be comforted. You see, not only does this person recognize that they are poverty without God, but they also recognize and begin to mourn that. They begin to have a sadness over their own sinfulness and even the sinfulness of the world. You see, happy people are people who are willing to go through the valley of emotional pain to get to where God wants them. So remember, we're just at the beginning. Poor in spirit, those who mourn. And then we get to verse 3. Blessed are the meek, for they will, verse 5, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, we don't like that word meek, do we? How many of you fathers would, would say to your son as he's growing up, son, my goal for you is for you to be the meekest guy that you could be. Or, or, or you wouldn't want to go on a date and the girl say at the end of the date, oh, I've had a great time. You are the meekest guy I've ever been out with. We just don't like that. But in the Bible, the word meek is actually a very good word. It's a strong word. What it really means is power under control. It's this person that's been broken, that's mourned it, and is now at the point where, where they know that if God's not sinner, life's not good. You see, think, think about when you see a group photo. When you see a group photo and you're in it, who's the first person you look for? Guys, y'all with me today. Who's the first person you look for? Yourself, okay? We just look, I'm looking, no matter 100 people, I'm looking for me. Meekness is the point where you realize that you are not the center of the, per, the photo or the universe. God is. And so this is, the first part of this is a humbling, breaking part. And then out of this brokenness and even emptiness, <laughs> we get to the next verse. Happy are those who hunger and thirst... For righteousness, amen, for they will be full. They will be filled. You see, here's the person that out of their brokenness and their emptiness, they go, oh, my goodness, my way doesn't work, but God's way works. I want, I want to do the right thing. I've trusted myself and my instincts and my feelings to this point, and God, now I know that that's not going to work, and I'm going to hunger. I mean, th- this person, this is, these are intense words. This is a man starving for food, starving for water. Hungering, thirsting for that. He says, we want God just that bad. Because we know he's got the answers. Let me ask you the quiz I asked you last week that you didn't do real hot on. But let me tell you, that there's one word answer. It begins with G and ends with D, okay? Can you hang with me? Who made you? Who knows everything about you? Who knows how many hairs are on your head right now? Less further. Who knows how many hairs are on your back right now? Oh, that's gross. I mean, who knows? Who knows what would make you happy? Now, come on, guys. Y'all got to be better than this. Who knows what would make you happy? Who knows what would make you unhappy? My friend, that's the point you are here. You've tried your way. It's not working. And now out of this brokenness and humility, you go, God, I'll tell you what. I'm going to start trying your way. I'm going to do the right thing. 
And then the most incredible thing begins to happen. You begin to display the characteristics of Jesus. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. You begin to be generous in your relationships. You forgive when someone's done you wrong. How can you do that? Somebody's done you really bad. How can you do that? Because God has done it for you. I mean, God's forgiven you for far worse than you've got to forgive this person you're bitter toward or you're holding a grudge toward. And so you begin to be merciful. And then the next step is you begin to become pure in heart. Happier the pure in heart, for they will see God. Listen to me. Pure in heart is about you being pure, about you being single-minded. It means if you had gold, it's pure gold. If it's stone, it's the pure stone. It's not mixed up with anything else. And so finally, through this brokenness and through this hunger, and you're becoming merciful, and now you become single, single-minded. It's what Jesus says to Mary after she spent time with him. Mary, you have chosen the one thing that's needed. It's what the Apostle Paul says in describing his life. <clears throat> he says, there is one thing that I do. You've now come to the point where you now have clarity about life. And here's the coolest thing. Guess who you see when the lens get clear? You are the person who sees God. And then, look what happens. Blessed or happy are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. My friends, when you make peace with other people, you are like God. Listen, he did not say, happy are the troublemakers. Have you ever seen a happy troublemaker? You know that person. Everywhere they go, people get in a fight. Everywhere they go, they cause trouble. You also know those people where everywhere they go, things just happen to be better. Jesus said you're going to be happy when you become that peacemaker. In some of your relationships, you've got to decide that. I love the, the Christian author, Joyce Myers. She writes that early on in her marriage, she was really miserable with her husband. And she decided since she was miserable, she would make him miserable. Have you ever done that? And so she did everything she could to make him unhappy. And finally, he sat her down one day. His name is Dave. And he said, Joyce, I know you're not, on, you're not happy, but you're not going to do anything to make me unhappy. And I'm going to do everything I can to make you happy. My friends, that's where we get to when we become the peacemakers. Whether it's fair or just or not, we reach out and do that. And then we get to the part of the Beatitudes that doesn't sound so nice. Happy are the, those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that wild? After all this progression of being broken and hungering for God and becoming pure and merciful and a peacemaker like Jesus, the most crazy but predictable thing happens. People start treating you the way they treated Jesus, and you begin to suffer. But here's the cool thing about God's view of happiness, is you can suffer and still be happy because you're suffering for what's right. And so it's a beautiful progression. And in this, Jesus just sort of blows away many of our myths about happiness. If you're taking notes, this is a good time to start writing. Because he says you can be happy in any circumstance, even persecution. Acts chapter 4, man, they're beginning to persecute James and John. They walk out from being beaten. You know what they said? 
We are rejoicing because we have been counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Wow. So here's some of the myths that we have today about happiness that Jesus blows away. Myth number one, I'll be happy when I have more possessions. If I can just get more of the what, I'm going to be happy. You know the, the statistic we've given out for years, that whether you live in poverty, middle class, or wealthy, when, when the question is asked of Americans, how much more do you need to be happy? The answer is, across the board, I need 10% more, just 10% more. What does that mean you never get there? My, my buddy Paul Brandon shared something I'd never heard before. He said, studies say that when someone gets a raise, it does bring them happiness, but only for two paychecks. Isn't that fascinating? Guys, you're not confining possessions. Myth number two, I'll be happy when I'm in control. If I can just get all my children lined up and all my friends lined up and the church lined up and me lined up and my wife lined up, and if everything would just go, if, if, everybody, you ever thought, if everybody would just do what I say, we'd all be happy. And, and here's what this progression tells us. The progression says you're not going to be happy until you give up control. You're not going to be happy until you stop trying to be God and say, God, here we go. You know what? I can't control outcomes. I can't control my health. All I can control is surrender my life to you. So many of you, many of us out here are control freaks, and you know it's not making you happy. So give up control. Myth number three, I'll be happy when I'm free to do what I want to do. You know, the Bible says the heart is deceptive. Because it sounds good to go, if I could just do whatever I feel like. Now listen to me. Where would you be today if you had done what you just felt like your whole life? Like, you probably would be dead. You know what I'm saying? Or, or you'd probably be in jail. Or you probably would, would certainly be divorced. I mean, you, you would, I mean if, if we just all do what we feel to do, if we don't have a standard... Though it, it looks like, well, that would be cool if I could just run out and do whatever I wanted to do. The truth is it leads to misery. And then myth number four, I'll be happy when life is fair. I mean, I'm miserable right now because so-and-so did me wrong ten years ago. And I can't let go of it. Listen to me. You have never known a happy, bitter person. And, and so, my friend, when, when you finally go, you know what? I'm not looking for life to be fair. Many of us, we go through life with this unrealistic expectation that I'm going to be treated fairly. That's just not the way life goes. But because God has treated you unfairly, honestly, by extending his grace to you, you're able to handle yourself being treated unfairly also. It's not tit for tat. It's not carrying that grudge. It's... I'm tired of waiting. Many of you in this audience, you're waiting for things to get fair at work. You're waiting for things to get fair in your home. You're waiting. You're just waiting. And my friends, you're going to wait a long time if you wait on fairness. And then number five, I'll be happy when I have enough fun events. I don't know if we'd say it, but I think this is sort of America today. If I could just in my life consume my time with as many fun things as possible. So, you know, if this weekend I get to go to my, my team's ball game, and, and next week I get to go to the beach, and the next week I get to go on a golf outing, and the next week I get to go to the mountains, and the next week I get to go on a great vacation, and the next week I get to, I mean, you name it. 
We just sort of believe, I think, in America today, <coughs> if I ever could have the resources and the time just to line up all these fun events. Now, don't get me wrong. Everything I've just named here would bring you some degree of temporary happiness. And don't get me wrong either. We'll preach in a few weeks that none of these things are wrong. In fact, God has given you, the Bible says, everything to enjoy. So, so don't take what I'm saying wrong. But if you are relying on that for the source of your happiness, you're held hostage. What happens when you don't have the money, the time, or the health to do these things? Have you lost your happiness? My friend, some of us, because we are so unhappy within, we keep our life so busy without trying to escape our unhappiness. So guys, it's not going to be just lining up fun events. <clears throat> because the truth is, there's going to come a point in your life when you are going to suffer. Every one of us will suffer. You're going to go through painful relationship issues. You're going to go through painful job issues. You're going to go through painful times when you feel rejected. Every one of us, if we live long enough, are going to suffer from bad health. And every one of us will die. And so if you pick the world's path, that is dependent on all these externals, when you hit that time of suffering, you've lost your happiness. If you teach, if you accept Jesus' surprising path that looks so different, your happiness is not dependent on that. In fact, like so many of you here in this church who are suffering right now, many of you are still so happy. Sometimes we look at you and go, how can you... How can you be so happy when you have that disease? How can you be happy when this happened to your marriage? How can you be happy? Because some of you have learned the right path. The question for the rest of us is, when are we going to learn it? Guys, listen to me. There's, there's so many cool studies out there about this. In, in fact, let me, let me share another one. I shared one with you at the beginning of the message. I'll share another here at the end. Duke University did an extensive study of people and their happiness. And, and they came out, and, and listen, we, we're quoting studies from Harvard and Duke, not except, exactly bastions of conservative biblical thought, okay? And yet, the conclusions they come to are biblical. In fact, Duke lists, just like the, the Beatitudes, eight characteristics or factors of happy people. Let me just give you a few of them. You tell me if they don't sound like the Sermon on the Mount about the Beatitudes. Avoid suspicion and resentment. People are happy, never hold a grudge. People are happy or not living in the past. They are not wasting time and energy fighting conditions that cannot be changed. They refuse to indulge in self-pity when handed a raw deal. And then finally, listen to this one. They find something bigger to believe in. Self-centered, egotistical people score lowest in any test for measuring happiness. And that's why, my friend, you need to learn the surprising path. Now, here's what you've got to get this morning. It starts with brokenness. 
Oh, it goes further. Out of the brokenness, you've got this hunger to be filled. And God fills you and begins to change your character into his character. So much so that you're treated like him. But, but please go back with me. It starts way over here when you come to the point where you know you've, gone, you've been down too many dead-end paths. You've been trying to figure this thing out. You've been trying to pursue happiness. See, guys, here's the truth. Here's the surprise. Happiness is the byproduct of a meaningful life lived in God's favor. Because it's, it's not the outcome. It's the, it is the outcome. It's a byproduct. You see, you see, what I want it to be is happiness is something I pursue. Listen to me. You will not pursue happiness and find it. You will pursue and you will find happiness when you pursue God. I want to talk to our teenagers for a moment. This great group of college students here. Guys, there's so many directions that you can go. I mean, your life is ahead of you. And some of these mythical paths we've talked about, man, they, they make sense. They feel right. Go do what feels good, man. Go do what everybody else is doing. Line up a life where you are free to, to do whatever you want to do. And, and it's so terrible. But, guys, the truth is, those paths will lead you to nothing but misery. But if you'll trust Jesus... And you'll have a life that's meaningful, where you live your days in such a way for other people and for God that when you lay your head on the, your pillow, that, that you know your life means something, then the byproduct is you'll lay your head on the pillow and you won't toss and turn because you have found real happiness. Now listen, the secular studies agree. The scriptures agree. This is the path to happiness. The question this morning is when will you agree? So, here's the good news. If you come into this assembly today and you are broken, I don't know what word you use for it, messed up. Here's the word I would use for it. I am all screwed up. If you feel that way today, can I tell you something? You're at a very good point. You say, how? Because this is the beginning of following God. And so you come here today, and life's not working, and the home's not working, and work's not working, and you're not working internally. It's just not good. Listen to me. This could be the greatest day of your life if you will surrender to God, if out of your brokenness you'll begin to hunger for God, and you'll let God change you and make you this happy person that only a happy God could make you. And so today, if you're in that place today, you're, 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 you're broken. It's a safe place. If today your life is all messed up and all screwed up, whatever word you use, hey, why don't this time choose a different path? Why don't you let us pray for you before you get out of here and let God bless you and make you happy. Come right now we stand and sing.